Are we on? Can we hear? Yeah. I got a green light. Does that count? Oh, oh. <clears throat> Hello? Okay. They're just busy talking. Good morning, everyone. Shall we start? We could, if Tom wasn't causing trouble. So you guys braved the time change and, and came out anyway. That's exciting. I had to start this morning with um, my grandkids just so that I can brag that, that I've got the cute ones. And y'all have some, some good looking ones too, but, but not like mine. Where's Wyatt's mom? Well, that's right. He, he's a ball player, I'm telling you. He's, he's three years old and, and just started pre-t-ball, and uh, so he's, he's having a great time. Anyway, that one is for today. That's Audrey. And if you guys know Becca and Vanessa, the two on the right are Becca's, and the one on the left is Vanessa's. Anyway, he plays for the Wahoos. <laughs> so they're going to they're gonna take him out to, to a real Wahoos game once the season starts. He's going to be all confused. All right, we're going to look at First and Second Peter today, and I'll go ahead and start us in prayer, and then we'll, we'll get started. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time that we have to come together and look into your word. And Father, we, uh, we thank you for your word. Thank you that it um, leads us, it guides us, it's the foundation that we can stand on. Uh, and Father, I just pray that you would quiet our hearts and quiet our minds and let us focus on you uh, and, and what you have to tell us. Uh, so I thank you for this time, and I thank you for these folks that are here, and, uh, and I pray that you would be here with us. pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right, so First Peter, before we do that, uh, we're, we're done with the, the letters of Paul, but I saw this online, a couple of you guys may have seen it online too, thought it was kind of funny. This is a general outline of the, of the Pauline letters. <laughs> Stop being stupid. <laughs> and Timothy says hi. I just thought that was kind of amusing. Uh, not to be disrespectful of Paul, because of course there's a lot more to, to Paul's letters than that. But, but I thought that was, uh, that was funny. So, 1 Peter, 2 Peter. Um, they're both attributed to... Bruce, you can have this one. Paul. <laughs> <Jesus>. <laughs> Go sit back there. <laughs> Peter. So what do we know about Peter? The apostles. One of the apostles. What does that mean? One of the original uh, 12. One of the, inner circle. what we would call today, big A apostles. So he has authority. He was stubborn. He was stubborn. That's what I like about Peter. Uh, excuse me? He was married. Um, yeah, I like, I like about Peter because you can see his human frailty, but you can also see God's work in him, and we'll talk more about that as we go, as we go through. Um, it's like his, his 
foot was in his mouth more often than it wasn't. And, uh, and I know that feeling. <laughs> so uh, so it's, it's nice to see that. I, I think of him as fire and ice. It was like either hot or cold. He was, there was not much in the middle with Peter. Um, no one made the bold statements that Peter made, but Jesus spoke to Peter in harsher terms than he spoke to any other believer. And we'll talk more about that in a little while, too. Um, what else do we know about Peter? What, what stories can you think of? Well, just before the stories, real quick, most people believe that he was the source material behind Mark's uh, gospel. So, in a sense, the gospel according to Mark is, in a way, the gospel yeah. according to Peter. Yeah. Or according to Mark, via through, Peter. Through Peter, yeah. So, yeah, it... it, 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 it makes um, sense with the immediately and immediately, and it's very, very brief, <laughs> it's very direct. Didn't waste a lot of time on all the uh, on the flowery stuff. <laughs> he was a lousy fisherman. He was uneducated. He was uneducated. Chopped off an ear. Chopped off an ear. You reckon? You reckon he was trying to chop off an ear? He he was going for the head, I think. And I think he missed. Yeah. Well, I don't know about the weather vane, but I, I know the rooster story. Well, all of a sudden, you know, he drives through the country on top of a barn to see a weather vane with the rooster. Mm-hmm. And it was originally put there to remind believers to not deny the Lord. And huh. so when you hear a rooster crow, it's not saying confidence in him. He's saying, don't deny the Lord, don't deny the Lord. <laughs> <laughs> I have not heard that. So, and, you know, we think about, uh, somebody mentioned the boat, um, or getting out of the water, I mean, walking on water, and, and sometimes he gets kind of a bad rap because he started sinking. And so Jesus said, why do you, you know, why is your faith weak or whatever? Um, but he's the only one who got out of the boat. And so I'm, I admire him for having the, the gumption to, to do that. Um, and of course, you know, he's famous for, for denying Christ, and, and uh, Jesus told, told him, he said, because, you know, he was telling, or Jesus was telling the disciples that he had to go and, and all these bad things were going to happen and he was going to be killed and all that stuff. And Jesus was like, no, I'll, you know, I'm going to go to the end with you and all that other kind of stuff. And so Jesus said, no, before the cock crows, you're going to deny me three times. And so he gets kind of a bad rap for that, too, because, of course, he did. Then he went out and he, and he wept bitterly. And, and we'll, you remember you know, what, what Jesus did um, after that was Jesus came and he, he kind of recommissioned him as an apostle. And he's, you know, do you love me? It's three times. Do you love me? And uh, so he goes, feed my, feed my sheep. And who was it just not long after that, a few weeks after that, that was preaching at Pentecost? Now, they were still in danger because they were in Jerusalem, and it still wasn't a, a comfortable place for them to be. Um, and he's standing up, and he's saying, okay, you crucified him. God sent Jesus here. You crucified him through the hands of lawless men. So um, Peter learned a lot of lessons, and I think that shows in his, in his, lesson, in his letters 
some of those lessons that, that Jesus had taught him. So the early, early church tradition says that Peter, Peter was crucified in Rome after he watched his wife be crucified. I mean, think about that for a minute. Um, and that he requested to be crucified upside down because he didn't want to be identified or he wasn't worthy to be crucified in the same manner as, as his Lord. So um, the letter, 1 Peter, talks about suffering, talks a lot about suffering. Um, it's discussed in all five chapters. Um, and one of the quotes is to encourage readers and to testify to God's true grace. So why would he want to talk about suffering? Who wants to hear about that? People who are suffering, yeah. Jesus said that people Yeah. And, and that's kind of what, um, you're reading my notes, and that, that's good, I like that. Um, it, it, to me, and, and as I was reading through these two books over the last couple weeks, it was almost like um, they're, they're Peter's uh, that, that Jesus had said. Uh, and this is one of the last things that Jesus told the disciples before they went out into the garden and he was arrested. I have said these things to you that, it, that, that you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Um, so it's not, a, not a, uh, a surprise that we have suffering. But it's not only suffering, it's hope. Because Jesus, Jesus said these things so that you can have peace. So you can have you can kind of understand a little bit about what the suffering is about. Um, this world is not our home because Jesus has overcome this world and, and our home is in, in the next one. Um, and so we need to take heart. Peter also talks a lot about submission to authorities, um, talks about submission to um, unbelieving spouse, uh, talks about submission to our masters if we're, uh, if we're enslaved. So it starts out, someone, can someone read that? <coughs> Chapter 1, 1 and 2. So as, as we would expect from Peter, he gets kind of right down to it. He doesn't need to defend his apostleship like Paul does in some of his letters. Um, he's Peter. Everybody knows Peter. He's Peter. Um, so who was it to? You can see that. We're going to talk, talk more about that in a minute. But I know the first thing that comes to your mind whenever you see that, two things come to your mind, is there's going to be a map. And it's go there's going to be an aardvark. And there is. <clears throat> so it was written to the, uh, to the elect exiles of the dispersion. So, oh, he didn't show up yet. Pontus. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> He's running a little late. Pontus. Galatia, he speeds up here in a second. Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia. Um, so why were they dispersed? Um, in the 
persecution that came upon uh, the Christians and well, and the Jews in general, and that kind of they were dispersed to sort of far, far regions yeah. of the Roman Empire. Yeah. Um, and I think that's that's most of it. Uh, this book was written sometime in the early to mid '60s, um, and if you'll remember, back in your history class, do we have a historian among us? Aren't you a historian? <laughs> uh, do you remember when Nero and the the uh, Rome burned, and Nero supposedly fiddled while Rome burned? You remember when that was? Just for reference. 64. So right along that same time, and there's some disagreement between some of the commentators on whether this book was written before that happened or after that happened, but um, some, somewhere along that, that time. But um, the point is there was um, already some, uh, sorry, my little cursor's not working here. Uh, there was already persecution, um, and so there was a dispersion uh, away from Jerusalem um, throughout the Roman Empire and, and the persecution wasn't universal in all the different districts of, of the, of the uh, empire. Some were worse than others depending on what the political situations were at that point. So there was a lot of movement. Also, um, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia were mentioned in Acts 2 where Jews from those areas were in Jerusalem at the time of Pentecost when Peter preached the sermon. Um, so in general, the areas that are mentioned here are areas that Paul didn't preach in. Uh, there is some overlap, but, um, but in general, and you remember Paul, Paul said he didn't want to go where other men have already gone. He liked the, uh, the unplowed ground. Um, and so also Paul was sent to the um, Gentiles and Peter was sent more to the, to the Jews. And that, that character is also reflected in the book. So there's something really insightful down here at the bottom of my notes, and it's not showing up, so you guys are just going to miss that. <laughs> something really good. Okay, so um, Pastor Joel could probably preach about six sermons, at least, on this, these two verses. <laughs> because this is red meat for any Presbyterian, right? Elect, I mean, come on. You got that, you got foreknowledge, you got sanctification of the spirit, you got obedience to Jesus Christ, you got sprinkling with the blood, I mean, everything, right? You got the Trinity. Um, now you're reading my notes, that's good, I like that. <laughs> uh, so the point is that I, the, that I like to make is that, that it was written to us. It was written to the church. And so it was not um, so much specifically to one area that was having specific problems that he was addressing like, like some of Paul's letters were. This was written to us. Um, I'm going to have to shut this down for just a second and then, oh, there it is. <sighs> Miracle. We like this. Um, it was written to us, it was written to the church at large to remind us of some of the things that we all tend to forget as we go about our lives. Um, because who likes to suffer, right? I mean, suffering's not good. 
Um, and, and we need to be reminded that there, there is a purpose to it, um, and we'll, we'll get more into that as, as we see some of these verses. Um, and we need to continually be reminded of, of the hope that's before us. So, as Joel said, uh, you see the Trinity there, you see uh, the foreknowledge of God the Father, you see the work of the Spirit, and you see the work of Christ. Um, and the other thing that I was going to mention is that our, I think I did briefly mention it, in Peter, since he was the apostle to the, uh, to the Jews, um, there are more references to the Old Testament in his uh, in, in First Peter than there are in any other book on a perverse basis. Perverse, that's not a good word. <laughs> per capita, we'll, we'll use that even though it's not. So relative to the size of the book, there are more references to the Old Testament than any other book. Um, and I think that's because of, of his audience. But we also need to bear in mind that in, just as Paul's audience was always mixed, Peter's audience was mixed. So there are Jews, there are Gentiles, there are um, God-fearers, Gentiles that have become friendly with, with Jews and, and with their, um, there are also people from pagan backgrounds. So it, it's a mixed background uh, of, of people that he's writing to. So if someone could read that for us, one, three through five. So this is the foundation of our faith. Um, God has caused us to be born again. We have an inheritance that's beyond our ability to even conceive, um, and it's completely safeguarded for us. So I don't know, I was gonna ask for hands, but I won't. Uh, sometimes we tend to view our relationship with God as kind of a transactional thing. If I do A, B, and C, then God's going to look on me with favor. If I do X, Y, and Z, then God is going to smite me. Um, and I know I'm guilty of that, uh, that way of, of thinking uh, from time to time, but it's, it's good to be reminded of, of the truth uh, that we see here. Um, and I think back of Job and his friends that came to remind him how sinful he was and how he deserved everything that, that God had given him when that wasn't right at all. That wasn't the point at all. Um, so we do need to be uh, introspective when, when things are going on. Uh, it might be because of sin, and we need to be honest with ourselves about that. But it might be something bigger that's going on that we're just a small part in. Um, but we know, bottom line is, we have an, an inheritance that is imperishable. We're being guarded through faith for, us, for a salvation to come. Um, and that, that salvation has been prepared for us. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the ge tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, 
may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. There's going to be tribulation, just like Jesus said. Um, and I don't want to belittle that because, you know, we go through painful things in life. And it sounds kind of stupid, but painful things hurt. I mean, it's... Um, I don't know if you recall last week, the uh, Pastor Bill was talking about uh, a lady that had come to him um, and wanted, basically wanted to pray the prayer of salvation, and he, he was doing his best to talk her out of it, which when I first heard that, I was like, wait a minute, <laughs> isn't that what pastors do is, you know, pray that prayer of salvation? But the point that he was making was she was looking for a quick fix to all her problems. She was looking for the problems to go away. Um, and becoming a Christian, yes, it's, it's definitely going to make the, the longer-term problems go away, but um, the short-term problems might not go away. In fact, they might get worse. So he wanted to make sure she understood that. Um, and we have to take a bigger view of reality. Um, and it's funny, one of the other pastors, Pastor Joshua last week, also mentioned that, that Western thought is, you know, spiritual things are separate than reality. You know, we, we function on what we can see and what we can touch and what we can smell. But who says that's completely separate from the spiritual realm? Scripture doesn't. So we need to, we need to keep that in mind that, that sometimes, um, and again, like Job found out, what he was going through was, was part of a, of a bigger picture. Um, than, than what he understood. So that helps, uh, at least it helps me when I'm going through a difficult time know that you know, there might be something bigger going on here. And it's, it's something that I might not ever understand why on this side of eternity, why that needed to be. Um, but we know, we know who, we're, uh, who the king is. Could somebody read that one? So does that kind of sound like a football coach? Get your head in the game, guys. <laughs> our, our hope is in him. Um, and it, it, that one reminds me of, of the, one of the lessons that Jesus taught Peter. Um, you know, a lot of the, the people that had been walking with Jesus and listening to him teach um, stopped walking with him once he started teaching some hard things. Um, and he asked the disciples if, if they were also going to go. Who answered? Peter. Peter. And what did he say? Where else will we go? You have Where are we going to go? <laughs> you have the words of eternal life. Um, seems like that ought to be a song. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, we need to remember who we are. We're, we're children of the king, and we need to act like it. We need to get our heads in the game, keep our heads in the game, um, 
and uh, and keep keep going. Um, but but we're also reminded, along with Peter, that that um, there's grace. We're gonna fall. Peter fell multiple times, but we need to get back up. Um, and I think that's one one thing that that Jesus taught him very well. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So, again, that's really encouraging if you think about what he's telling us there. You are chosen and precious to him. You're being fitted together. So I've never fit any stones together, but you know, if you look at other people who do it, sometimes they have to chisel them a little bit to, to make them fit where, where they go. So sometimes we need to be chiseled a little bit, I think, to, uh, to fit, but, but we know the builder, and, uh, and he's, he's got our best uh, in, in mind along with his own glory. <clears throat> Can someone read that? But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for your own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So, do you feel like a royal priest? <laughs> I don't. Um, but here again, this is a, a reference back to the Old Testament. Um, Hosea, not a, once you were not, not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you've re received mercy. Um, so that's probably not something that a Jewish person would want to hear when it, uh, applied to himself. Um, but along with Paul, he's telling that, that the Jews had God's covenant, but, but they broke it. They, they went after uh, a false religion. But through Christ, God has called them back into a covenant relationship with himself. So, um, so he's holding them, them up there, and uh, they are important to God. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. So here's the hard part. We're supposed to live like what is true is actually true. Um, we don't, we, we are not allowed, we don't have the, the freedom to say one thing is true and then live like it isn't. Um, we're not free, we have freedom, but we're not free to use that to, to pursue evil. And this, this verse is one of the reasons why some of the commentators believe that the, the letter was written before um, 64, 
because they find it hard to believe that Peter would write, honor the emperor, if it was after 64. Uh, because after 64, and you'll remember this too, that um, Nero blamed the Christians for starting the fire. And the persecution in Rome got ratcheted up severely. Um, so those commentators said he would not have written honor the emperor if, if it was after 64. The reason I don't particularly buy that argument, I mean, there might be others too, and I might not be summarizing their arguments completely. The reason I don't buy that particular reason is it's not hard to honor an emperor who's good. <laughs> Just like whenever God tells us to honor our father and our mother, it's not hard to honor our father and our mother when they loved us and they nurtured us and they took care of us and all that kind of stuff. Um, so it's hard to honor an emperor who is not good. And that extends to, I think, to, to our day uh, with our governor, government. Um, government is a gift of God, and so it's good. We ought to be thankful for government, and we need to be praying for the people in our government, even if we don't necessarily um, agree with them on, on their politics. Um, anybody have a comment on that? Right. And so it looks like evil yeah. in, in our way of interpreting things. But, you know, we have to know that we are finite. God is infinite. And he will bring himself to glory. Right. Even if we can't see him. Right. And, and that's what we need to be about. And I, I'm sure that in that Egyptian prison for, what, three years? Um, that wasn't fun. <laughs> but, but he was there to, uh, to serve God. Right. 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 And I I agree with you. Um, and I guess it's on another slide, so I'll I'll leave that for a minute. But um, but yeah. And, and in that time, the uh, the Christians were actually called atheists in Rome, because we didn't believe in all the gods. We only had one. So we didn't believe in the Roman gods, so we were atheists. So, um, but we still had to believe like, like we believe. I mean, we can't follow the government if, if the government's um, leading us down a road that, that does not honor God. <coughs> Three thirteen through 17. Now who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled, but in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, 
having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. So, I don't know, you, I'm sure you don't remember, a couple months ago I was teaching, I can't remember which book, but I was referring to a, a verse in Peter, but I couldn't remember which one it was. This is it. <laughs> um, if, if we're slandered, that, that is still a powerful testimony. If, if people see, and you can remember whenever um, Jesus was on the cross and he had two, two thieves on either side of or a thief on either side of him, what did the one thief say to the other one? He said, the one that, that Jesus said that, that he's going to be, and today you'll be with him, me in paradise. He said to the other thief, hey, don't you fear God? We deserve to be up here. We did this. He didn't. So Jesus' testimony before those people was, was clear. Um, and I'll read this little thing I need to speed up here if we're going to make it through Second Peter. Uh, I'm going to read this little clip that I, that I wrote down from, uh, from a Roman historian, Tacitus. An immense multitude was convicted. This is after the fire uh, in 64. Not so much on the charge of arson as because of hatred of the human race. So they weren't convicted because of the fire. They were convicted because they, they were con uh, the people were convinced that, that um, Christians hated the human race. Besides being put to death, they were made to serve as objects of amusement, and then they went on to say some pretty graphic ways that they were amused other people. All this gave rise to a feeling of pity, even towards men whose guilt merited the most exemplary punishment. For it was felt that they were being destroyed, not for the public good, but to gratify the cruelty of an individual. So Nero's cruelty was so harsh that people could see that, that the Christians were not being punished because of what they believed and how they acted. They were being punished because of Nero's cruelty. So that was, um, that was like a testimony uh, to the people that were around there. So they were, they were being slandered, and so people were, were, were reviling their good behavior in Christ, but that was being put to shame because people could see what the truth was. Um, so, in other words, be caught good, doing good stuff. If you're gonna, if you're gonna suffer, be, suffer for being good. Suffer for doing what, what God would have us to do um, rather than suffering for doing bad things. <clears throat> Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. So, again, that just calls back to, to mind what Jesus told Simon, or told Peter back in, in the, um, the garden, or before they went to the garden. Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. 
But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Um, so we're not alone. God, we're, we're all in this together. God knows our circumstances. God is big enough to protect, protect us. God is big enough uh, to preserve uh, our reward, so to speak. But it's on, it's on his schedule, and, it's on, and it is in... It's on his schedule, and it is in his way, because he is the king. He's the boss. He makes, makes the decisions. Um, so he has the dominion. <clears throat> so moving on quickly to Second Peter. So Peter's ne nearing his execution, so it's in the mid to late 60s. Um, and this one kind of summarizes a little bit neater than, than First Peter. First chapter is an exhortation for the believers to grow spiritually. Second chapter is to oppose the doctrines and the lifestyles of false teachers. And the third one is to get ready for the end of the world, uh, judgment and the day of the Lord, because uh, it's coming. And you're going to be teaching that next week, aren't you? Tim, Tim's going to be, gonna be uh, teaching us Revelation next week. So 2 Peter 1 and 2, and to me, and I'll, well, let me read it first. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of God our Savior, by, by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ, may grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Now to me that just sounds... I guess more sedate than than First Peter did. First Peter was like Peter, an apostle to the to the exiles, and so this one is to me. It just sounds more, um, little, sounds softer. sounds Sounds like he's getting toward the end of his life. It sounds like he's seeing the end from where he is, and he's he's just really um, uh, sounds almost more like John than Peter, but. Um, and by the way, that's another thing we know about Peter. He couldn't run very fast because John beat him to the tomb. <laughs> I just kind of think he's, you know, kind of got my build. I'm, I'm not very fast. <clears throat> all right. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. So this is the path that we're on. And I would suspect that I'm not alone in not going up in a straight line. I would think there's, you know, there's rises and falls, but we need to be headed in the, in the right direction. But, you know, we can see see in this, uh, in this passage here just the, the different things that, that we need to be focused on. 
in our daily walk, uh, getting better and better, getting closer and closer um, with God, and to be more and more Christ-like. For if these qualities are yours, <clears throat> excuse me, and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. <clears throat> do we know anybody, or, and I'm not thinking about anybody in particular, but do we, do we ever see people who um, kind of forget where they came from spiritually? I mean, it, it's something that we have to guard against because we can't um, be so full of ourselves that, that we uh, uh, turn people off. We need to, we need to have that, uh, that love, uh, a brotherly affection that, that he was talking about. For we do not follow cleverly designed myths when we, were, when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was borne to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain. So Peter is an eyewitness. So we didn't make this stuff up. We were there, and you'll remember the, the Mount of Transfiguration where um, Peter was one of the ones that was, that was there when Jesus was transfigured and, and uh, Moses and Elijah came down and um, Peter was the one that says, hey, let's build a tent, stay a while. And then chapter 2, he goes more into the false teachers. But false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction. And many will follow their sensuality, and because of them, the way of truth will be blasphemed. One of the things that, that really aggravates me, um, and it makes it very difficult when I talk to people um, about God is, is that not everybody who says they're Christians are Christians. You know, so, so people who will hold themselves out as Christians and they'll say and do things that are, that are not what God would have them to say and do, um, we're painted with the same brush. And so it's, it's difficult. It makes, it makes things tough. Um, just like it says here, the way of truth will be blasphemed. Um, and a lot of these, uh, this, uh, the word here about, um, well, we don't have time to go to that, sorry. You'll just have to get that one next time. But anyway, it's, so it makes it tough uh, whenever we're trying to, trying to witness. I, I talked to my sister, um, who may be a Christian. She, she, I don't know, there's no fruit, so it's hard for me to tell. God knows her heart, I don't. But she will tell me stuff uh, about, you know, the basic liberal theology that's, that's out there now. And, and I'll have to take her to God's word and say, well, in fact, I just had that conversation with her this, this past week about uh, one particular topic. And she gave me the, the liberal talking point, And I wrote back to her. I said, well, here's the verse. And I copied it out for her passage. I said, here's the passage. 
And I said, they can, they can disagree with the passage if they like, but this is, here you can see for yourself what it says. So um, it just makes it tough. It brings up a lot of questions and, and just it, it's tough, tough to go with. They count it pleasure to revel in the daytime. They are blots and blemishes, reveling in their deceptions while they feast with you. They have eyes full of adultery, insatiable for sin. They entice unsteady, unsteady souls. They have hearts trained in greed, accursed children, forsaking the right way they have gone astray. So there's no shame. They do this in the daytime. And you, we see this more and more in our society today, unfortunately. Um, and I think it's probably going to get worse before it gets better. Um, but there, there is no shame. They promise them freedom, but they themselves are slaves of corruption. Um, so how can you bring freedom to anybody if you're a slave? I mean, they don't have what, what, it, uh, what it takes to, uh, to deliver them true freedom. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, talking about the world, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. But according to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. So the end is coming. We have no idea, or I have no idea when it's going to be. Tim's probably going to tell us next week the day and the time that we need to be ready. Um, and he's probably also going to wrap up all those pesky little controversies about millennia and all that stuff. So next week, um, yeah, the, the, the series that, we're, that we've been going through for, I guess, a year and a half, maybe close to two years, um, is going to come to a close next week. So uh, Tim's going to be going over Revelation. So um, anyway, so God is not bound by time. So we think it's been a long time. We think we've been in the, the last days for a long time. God's not bound by time. So it hasn't been a long time to him. It's, it's um, like he, he says in another passage, a, a thousand years is like a day. So um, when God decides it's time, the end's going to the end's going to come. Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, be, it, be diligent to be found by him without spot, spot or blemish and at peace. And I'll just scoot right to the last one because we're over time. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and the Savior Jesus Christ. To him be, both, to him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. So don't fall for that stuff that the false teachers are peddling. Get the good stuff. And like we mentioned earlier, Peter would say, you know, Lord, who... To whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. So let's focus on what God has to say and not, get let not allow ourselves to be pulled away to a, to a false teacher. Okay, sorry for overtime. Could you close this?